Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yum, yum. It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. They never rent quality flicks. They always pick the most intellectually devoid movie on the racks. And now, on with the show. I've been expecting you. It is the right of the people to provide for the common defense. Does this rebel army have any money? It's not enough. It is the right of the people to promote the general welfare. This is our annual fundraising drive, and we would like you to contribute $10 million. It is the right of the people to rise up. What the f*** do you want? Money. Money? You guys sure kill a lot of people for a little money. It is the right of the people to bear arms, to wage war. Frank White is a free man. How come you never came to see me? Who wanted to see you in a cage, man? He served his time. What can we expect from the reformed Frank White? I want to be mayor. He paid his debt. Go someplace where you can stay out of trouble. But some things don't change. From here on, nothing goes down unless I'm involved. No blackjack, no dope deals, no nothing. You're waiting years for this. Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Twig's very own VHS video store. I am one of your video clerks this evening. I am Mike the Birdman, but I'm not alone. As you come through this cavalcade of crap that you've come to expect from us here on the show, it is the year 2023, and we have new old stock to show you. I'm joined by my compatriot from the lovely city of Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Alex, the producer here. And of course, from the wilds. The far-off wasteland of Michigan, Lansing, Michigan. Jeez, I'm Aaron. (laughs) I'm sorry, Aaron. I I have to, I don't know. I actually kind of like Michigan. I actually have a lot of friends there, so. But we're not all bad. We're not all bad. Wastelands is Jersey, and you know it. That's true. Sorry, I don't know. We do have have some pretty pretty, uh, urban blighted areas in the state, to be fair, to be fair. See, See, Mike, not everywhere is Detroit. This is true. You also have places like Flint and Saginaw and Lansing. So we only know the ones that make the news. That's the problem. <laughs> so, yes, guys, we are here back on Twig's Loose Cannon. I am back hosting as often as I can be with these two knuckleheads. And on this show, if this is your first time listening to the show, 
Well, aren't you in for a treat? Because tonight we're going to be talking about a double feature of movies featuring one of the impressions that everybody loves to do because that's just a thing that people do these days. Uh, we're going to be talking about Christopher Walken. We're going to be talking about two of his movies that came out in the early 1990s. We're going to be talking in, about in, in, that, in, in that weird era, like the the post Deer Hunter slash uh, like critically acclaimed rise of his career. Uh, and before, I guess he became like the meme, meme status with, with with the younger generations, which would have been what maybe after Pulp Fiction, uh, maybe yeah, yeah his, his appearance Pulp in Pulp Fiction. Fiction. See, when when you guys pitched this, I was like Christopher, weird Christopher Walken films. You know, we're going to be watching Communion, aren't we? And I'm going to have nightmares <laughs> forever yeah. because that, like, oh, no, that, that, uh, there's like that, one scene in it that really gets under my skin. But is it the scene when they're sitting in the room and then they have like the weird flashes of the aliens popping up around them? No, it's the one where the alien peeks around the door in the middle of the night. And that, <laughs> yeah. God, God, yeah. No. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a reason I didn't pick that movie, and that's actually it. <laughs> really? Because uh, I, <laughs> I was like, like when you say Chris or Walken obscure movies, you go Communion and Brainstorm. Yeah. And, and it's like, no, we're not doing those. <laughs> so, yes, guys. So what we typically do on this show is we, t- we try <coughs> to pick a theme or we pick an idea. And this one, as we just said, this is weird Christopher Walken movies. Now, for me, my experience with Christopher Walken began in the 1990s. And I first saw him in Pulp Fiction. And then I started to know him for the Fat Boy Slim Weapon of Choice video. Great um, the Disney movie Country Bears, and wait, wait, you might be one of the only people over the age of I don't know twenty that says they know Chris or Walken from Country Bears. Well, it's just because yeah. like th- there's a great meme that circulated in like the late two two thousands where. Christopher Walken, it's just the way that he shouts at the bears. He's like, I'm going to get you, bears. And it's just this weird, dramatic <laughs> pause. It's so strange. And then I think he was in Joe Dirt, too, I, I want to say. He's like, I'm going to stab oh you. Oh, my in the God. Face. You've seen all the ones that are terrible. Oh, God, yeah. So it wasn't until, Alex, you and I became really close friends in the last couple of years that you showed me uh, The Dead Zone. Oh, Dead Zone. Great. Well, see, yeah. see De- Dead Zone and Batman Returns are where I saw him first. Oh, I forgot he was in that as Ma- as the mayor, yeah. No, he's not. He's Max Shrek. Max Shrek. He's, he's, yeah, which is, which, which is you know, named after the guy that played Nosferatu in the original Nosferatu film. The actor's name was Max Shrek. And, and by the way, probably the best part of that movie outside of uh, Danny DeVito's performance. True. Very true. And then I think I saw him in the headless. Or he was uh, in Sleepy Hollow. He was the headless horseman, which was very unexpected to me. I didn't see that one coming. And then yeah, like I really don't know a lot about the body of his work, other than you know when he got when he did the hosting gig on Saturday Night Live, and everybody would quote, "I got a fever. I got one prescription." Blah blah blah. Everybody knows that gig. I'm not gonna go over it mm-hmm. again and it's that's all i really knew and yeah well it's it's that and then when he did those multiple skits with them laser cats that became internet popular guys, yeah. guys you're you're missing like well at least the one movie i knew i first saw him in a view yeah. to a kill oh i forgot about that too. oh yeah well, and and you see here's the thing i saw that movie as a kid i didn't correlate that with him wow 
because of the bleached hair and i was a little kid like i didn't know that was him the first movie that i knew where i saw the name and knew it was him was probably batman yeah man christopher walken grace jones is in that film i mean i don't know lots of memories from it i guess yeah, so that's where I kind of got into him. So I guess I'll throw things to Alex and then Aaron, and then we'll start talking about McBain. Okay, well, uh, with, with I've seen a lot of his movies over the years. That like there was a period where I, I I would pick a bunch of actors, and then I would try to rent every movie that I could uh, find them. Like I went through a phase where I'm like, I want to watch every movie that has gangsters in it. So. That, of course, led me to, like, all the Robert De Niro movies. And then I saw Deer Hunter. And seeing Deer Hunter, I was like, oh, that's the guy from Batman. <laughs> that's how I associated it. Not the whole, here's the Academy Award nominated. Or I think, did he win for that movie? He at least got nominated. Uh, you know, you, you see that movie. Once you see that movie, you never see him, uh, you know, a, the same way again. Because that is before... Christopher Walken had his iconic way of speaking mm-hmm. in films, which it turns out like you'd think he's putting on, you know, a performance the way he talks. And no, that's how he actually talks. He would suppress the way he talked to try to sound more Hollywood normal until mm-hmm. one day somebody told him, just be yourself and you'll stand out. So the first movie, if you go through all of the movies he's done and I've, I've looked and found clips in this, uh, the Dead Zone is the very first movie where the Walkenisms really started to show, uh, and then everything since then he's been like, can you think of somebody else it, that that's been in Hollywood, you know, at, at his, you know, at his level that has such a unique way of speaking that gets leading roles? Uh, the guy, uh, I'm, I'm Arnold. So Sylvester Stallone. Well, no, but though okay, well, well Arnold's a weird, he, a weird one though. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily count um, in, like English as a second language as like that's he talks like that. Like if you hear him speak Austrian, like or German, he doesn't talk odd. Mm-hmm. He talks odd when he's speaking English because English is not his first language. Whereas Christopher Walken, it's the cadence of how he says his words, when he says things, when he raises his his voice, when he doesn't how he says it, how quick and slow. It's, he's such a mesmerizing person. Anthony Hopkins maybe has a bit of a weird cadence to his voice, maybe? That's British, and you, you have problems with accents. That's true, and I don't deny that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, Michael, that's more of a you one. Yeah, but, sorry. <laughs> uh, but still, like the, these films, when I was, I was putting them together, and I'm, I was trying to, this is the year of uh, you know, us all pitching different ideas for things. My ideas and all the episodes that I'm picking for the show are going to be uh, weird, obscure, uh, for the most part, 80s and 90s uh, action movies. And they're going to be somewhat paired together, either based on a similar sounding name or a similar actor. And I picked these because they both had Christopher Walken, not realizing that uh, the there's a couple actors that cross over into both films the guy who plays the president in uh in mcbain is actually or not not the american president the guy who plays the villain president el presidente is the same actor that plays the detective that's coming after 
Christopher Walken in The King of New York. Oh, so that's just Ooh. that's just, and, and and they filmed those movies back to back, I guess. So that's that's interesting and funny. But there's a lot of other uh, interesting things with both of these before we get into them individually. In that they both have a lot uh, of actors that you know that that we but also that the fact that we probably hadn't seen these movies is interesting that we didn't even i had never even really heard of mcbain until i think i saw a vhs of another action movie that happened to have a trailer for it and i was like what is this and that always stuck in the back of my mind and even to this day it's on blu-ray it's so most people don't know this movie exists at all Whereas King of New York, people have heard of yeah. because there's some memorable scenes. Like, even if you've never seen it, you've probably heard of the movie or seen a couple of the iconic posters or, or like, stills from it. Like, there's there's a still of, of him sort of looking through the window. Uh, or there's quotes that, that people have done or said that you don't realize are actually associated with the movie. Um, it, it's probably most known for being like the breakout movie role for uh david caruso and i think it was the reason he left nypd blue oh. um which we, okay. we saw how that worked out he <laughs> his movie career didn't really make it and he had to go back to tv but uh it, it's you know it's it's this weird period too where i feel like we've seen a lot of action movies that are like from a-list actors that came out in the in the 80s like all the way up to like 1988 or so mm-hmm. and then in the 90s you know we had the big movie stars or, or the big action stars but this was a weird period like the late very late 80s to very very early 90s where people that weren't traditionally action stars were getting action movies like who would have thought christopher walken would, would have been in a vietnam action movie or a post-vietnam action movie? yeah it just references vietnam a lot yeah but like, it, like this like you watch this and you're like this is a Bruce Willis movie or this is a Chuck Norris movie or this is something Arnold might have done. Yeah, this this felt like well, I mean, McBean felt a bit like a really good canon film. Yeah, yeah. and that's something that while I was watching it, this is the type of movie that would perfectly sit on a shelf in its era, so the, the 1990s, early 1990s, direct to video by Canon or Carlico or any of those companies that is perfectly fine. It's not exceptional. It's not bad. Except it got like three times the budget a Canon movie would have got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was weirdly good in some sequences. Yeah. So I guess we should probably get uh, like all, all, all the last thing I'll say background before we get into the movie itself is uh, we have a, it's a returning director mm-hmm. from a few of, of the previous, <laughs> a few of the previous uh, episodes we've done. Uh, same director as uh, The Protector. That was the Jackie Chan, Danny Aiello movie we watched. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, also the same director uh, that did Shakedown. That was the one, uh, Mike, with uh, Robocop in it. Oh, yeah, Robocop. yeah. That movie was great. Uh, and that's and so this is one. He didn't direct that many films. He's pro- He produced a bunch of others. But like, I, this is, as far as I can tell, the second last action movie he did. Uh, his last action movie, Slaughter of the Innocents, we're going to probably end up watching on the show eventually too. Uh, but like he has a unique uh, style that Aaron and I were sort of discussing off air before Yeah, that it's, and I, I, what I was trying to pin down was it's basically like, what if you got a really low budget, like grindhouse director mm-hmm. 
and gave them a high budget and that's the way the action like the logic and how the plot moves and and how uh how things are, are put together he has like very like loose <laughs> like loose connection with logic but it still somehow works uh and that's that's um seems to be his trademark so that's that's all i'll say on that director in, in particular yeah like it's very tropey it's very paint by numbers but it it okay i'm gonna say i don't know whether this is a hot take or a stupid take it never insults your intelligence you're like yeah all right fine like it just it's just it's weirdly fine where you just you just go along with it, and that's don't like like it. It doesn't want you to sit there and think about it. It wants you to feel as it moves. Yeah, like it just it wants to keep the action going. The characters don't make a whole lot of sense. Some of them are weirdly miscast. Actually, it, it was funny. I was listening to the riff tracks uh, f- for this movie, and there's the one black guy, and there's a scene where they all get together at one of the beach houses and he's standing at the top of the stairs like oh yeah i forgot i'm not carl weathers and that scene just killed me is that steve well, james i think it's steve james yeah. it's steve james uh which which you know is one of the unsung or actually sung heroes of b movies from the 80s right yeah yeah i mean i recognize almost all the main actors in this so i mean <laughs> yeah like it's it's christopher walken michael ironside uh uh, as a, I guess, Steve Jobs esque billionaire who happened to be a Vietnam vet with them. Um, yeah, and he's uh, just along for the ride because I guess it's more exciting than sitting in his beach house with his beautiful, like, live in girlfriend. He's bored. Yeah. He's bored, so he's going to wage war against Colombia. Because why not, right? Because he has three Ferraris, a beautiful wife, and a huge barbecue for some reason. And, and, and what appears to be a, uh, <laughs> what appears to be a cheap plastic uh television antenna that's supposed to be a satellite computer yes yes i was like and this was picked up by a spy satellite from russia like what the fuck with the rights with the right software i could intercept anything <laughs> oh no it's it's uh oh god what what's the what's the writer director producer actor um he produces those crap movies out of out of las las vegas um why can't I pull his name out of my head? Out of Las Vegas? Yeah. Uh, oh, Breen. Breen. Neil Breen. Yeah, Thank Neil, you, Neil, darling. Neil, darling Neil yelled at me from the other room. Neil Breen. <laughs> oh, who, 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 who I told you should probably direct a sequel to Rocket Attack USA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Neil, Neil Breen, like how he does in his films, like he just has a random laptop with like a coat hanger sticking out of it. He's like, from here, I can hack the entire U.S. defense network. Yeah. <laughs> you know what <laughs> Exactly, uh, Maria uh, Conchita Alonso, who you'd probably know best from Running Man. Running Man, yeah, yeah. that's where I know. Uh, and isn't she also in Leviathan? And or is it the Deep or or, or um, Deep Star Six or whatever? No, something. She's in a. Uh, she's one of those like late '80s actresses that was in a ton of stuff. Uh, Colors, Running Man, um, Vampire Kiss, Predator Two. Uh, oh yeah that's right a ton of stuff um she's in it uh i'm trying to think of the okay the one friend the one that looked like an accountant i couldn't i couldn't pinpoint what he's been in but it's a million things uh like just every scene in this movie seems odd like like it's just put together like 
basic plot is uh, back in Vietnam, uh, the war is apparently over in 1973. Uh, and by over, it means America says it's over, but it's not really over. Uh, and this uh, this group of people are leaving. And then they, they see what they think is or might be uh, a POW camp. So they're, they're going to stay and, and liberate the POW camp. And they liberate, uh, uh, they, they end up liberating Christopher Walken from, uh, I guess, a... Battle to the Thunderdome, battle to the death with uh, Kmart Bolo. As <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, oh, it's the, it's like a Vietnamese version of Bolo from from Bloodsport. Um, and there's like a Vietnamese general who has, of course, a necklace made out of ears of all of the of the, I guess POW yeah. <laughs> people he's killed. Yeah, as one does, right? Or like and the. And the knife has a notch, has a notch in it for ear cutting. <laughs> I, I honestly like, didn't know if I should have been offended or thought it was like weirdly. Oh, funny. this is a really good take on you know terrible Vietnamese you know war crimes. To me, it just kind of seemed ridiculous. But well, and, and it's not just like the Thunderdome. The reason it's we're laughing is it, all of the Vietnamese uh, like soldiers are climbing on the sides and rattling the cage. <laughs> yeah, it's Thunderdome. Like it it really is Thunderdome. And, and uh Steve James and all all the gang show up. Oh, by the way, it, did you catch the song that the opening intro song? Who sung that? It, it was a cover version. Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Of Dire Straits Brothers in Arms. Okay. Huh. All right. You know what's strange about this, and I know people made fun of this on the riff tracks pretty hard. Is it weird to say that I really liked the music in this? I liked it too. <laughs> yeah, like it it's just it's weird. It just it really seemed to fit that late eighties, nineties aesthetic. And I just I really liked it. It was, hate so, it was very, very appropriate to me. I'll get in. I'll get into it when all of you guys are done. But to me, it like it was perfectly appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the what happens is they liberate uh, Chris Walken and a couple other people. The they didn't want to really step down there and do it, but uh, this uh, the one guy. What was his name? He dies. Uh, 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 Roberto Santos. He, I guess he's not American, but he was fighting 
he was fighting in the American army that that, um, that happened every now and then there are like foreign volunteers in order to get um, their U.S. citizenship. Yeah, yeah. I get. I, I, okay. Yeah. And I can see, I, I mean, we have that now we, we have volunteers going over to Europe right now from Canada. So uh, yeah. So I guess, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but he's the guy who, who's like the, the Santos character. He goes, you know what, you know, do you want to go back and then, you know, not know whether or not you left people behind. So, uh, Chris Rockins like, and you know, if you ever need me anytime, uh, you know, what can I do for you? And he grabs a hundred dollar bill, rips it in half and says, if you ever receive this, then, um, you know, you'll know I need your help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we fast forward 18 years, uh, to the modern day and, uh, Santos, uh, talks to his sister who's played by, uh, uh, Maria. And you realize that he's trying to liberate, uh, Colombia from its dictator slash uh, uh, drug lord connected president, mm-hmm. and how, how they do it is is without really any any you know forethought. backup or forethought. Yeah, there, there is lim- no planning to this. It is it is they're, a- they're in a they're in a limousine and they they bring a couple of the freedom fighters dr- dressed up as women of the night, and they're like a present from you know you know from the drug lord for El Presidente go right on in they drive the limousine in and don't you miss the era when the trunk was big enough you could fit four people and all of their guns in it the the joke (laughs) uh have you ever have you ever seen like um there's a movie called i think it's dirty deeds um maybe and it's there's a scene in it where they're trying to uh rip off well they're not trying to rip they're trying to get revenge on this used car salesman so they hire a whole bunch of prostitutes to go into the trunks of the cars. Oh, 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 oh that's that's uh, that's the Norm Macdonald movie. Yeah, uh, uh, Dirty Work. Yeah, Dirty Work. There you go. And, and yeah. they're like, oh my know, god, oh I, my god, there's a dead hooker in that. There's trunk. a dead hooker in that trunk. <laughs> I've never seen so many dead hookers. Lord knows I have. Um, yeah, the one guy. Lord, Lord knows I have. Yeah. So the the joke <laughs> that's, is, that's... is that uh, when Darlene and I went out and looked for 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 a car. We we're looking for dead that's, hookers. That's a three dead hooker trunk there. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the one where Chris Farley is missing his nose because a Saigon hooker bit it off. Yeah. <laughs> and then he and, and then and then he's there and and he sees one of the dead hookers in the truck and it's her. Yeah. <laughs> and like, he, he goes, That's that's the whore that bit my nose. <laughs> and then later on in the movie, he, he goes, We're getting married. Yeah. And they get in the car and drive away. And, and, and she's come on, come on, come on. He goes, shut your yap, and he's ready to hit her. And then as they're driving away, she bites his nose off again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that movie's underrated. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's not good, but it's funny. Oh, it's it's, it's one of it's one of only two movies he starred in. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, four people get out of the trunk, and I was like, <laughs> four people got out of that. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, that's that's got to be and like in my head. I'm like, oh, did they rig it up? And then I look, I'm like. No, they didn't tear the upholstery. That's just how big the trunks were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so four people get out of the trunk, and they they go inside with very little effort. Basically, capture the <laughs> capture the, the president's offices and, and his palace, uh, and then you know the military rolls in, and we cut to you know we cut away. We're like, oh, is, uh, so is he going to call for help? And it cuts to America, where Christopher Walken's working as a as a welder on like, I think he's working on bridges and stuff. And he's in the bar. He's on the Brooklyn he's, Bridge. He's on the Brooklyn yeah, Bridge right at the beginning. Yeah. 
oh yeah yeah that's right and he's having a you know having a drink and and having some lunch and he's watching on tv and this is how you know it's that it's it's a cooking house movie and it's a, from a guy who's like just doesn't give a fuck about reality and in 1991 america on like what is a presumably like abc television they're like we're we're, uh, we're bringing you live or scenes from the president's office in Colombia, and it's uh, you know viewer discretion uh, is advised because there's graphic content, and the president just pulls out like a gun and blasts a hole in the side of of Santos's head and sprays brain matter all over the side yeah. of the building in, in front, and it's like we just broadcast that to 300 million Americans. Yeah, yeah, and and Walken doesn't even blink. Like he's he, just he kinda, looks, eh, you know he, 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 he looks at it and he's like oh my friend's gone yeah. oh well <laughs> and, that's a shame and, and, and the and this is and this is after the yeah this was that that was shortly before or sorry shortly before this the the president uh is called into a you know an emergency meeting and and he's like you know they're finding out like the CIA is, is you know can't give them any more information who made this promise that, you know we're not going to help blah 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 and it, it it's you know building up to the fact that the, that the entire plan of these rebels was somebody in the CIA told them if they do this, America will send help. Does that matter to the plot later? No, Ooh. not at all. Not at no, all. Not really because the president after, uh, only appears at the, at the very like three quarters of the way through. And it's just to declare that their solution to stopping. And they don't even say that it's the solution. They just explain this this uh plan that he's doing but they don't they don't say why he's doing the plan but i guess you're inferring that to stop the contra money drug money coming in and all this they're going to change every american bill to be red white and blue yeah i was confused as hell that makes no sense it makes no sense so so and and the idea is you you can go to the bank and trade in your green money dollar for dollar for the new money for the red, white, and blue money, but I guess what they're trying to infer is that the red, white, and blue money can't go to other countries. But it can. And remember, he also said, "This is this stuck with me." He also said, "We're only going to print this for a year," meaning that the old money is still legal tender. Yeah, like and, and none I of thought, it makes like, sense. Like, like I, I thought, like it would only make sense if they're like if they did what we were doing here, which is. Uh, all of our money switched to a plastic polymer of different colors. You, you've probably touched it and used it, right? Like I've never there's... touched a Canadian bill. I've only touched coins. Okay, well, if you come, when, next time you come up here, uh, if you get our bills, they are plastic, like real, like plastic, plastic. Like you can throw them in the washing machine and everything. Oh wow! Um, and they smell of maple it, syrup. Serious, uh, dead serious. That's that's the uh, the fifties. Yeah, they they, they uh, made scratch and sniff fifties. Not not scratch sniff. You just they just smell of maple syrup. I I am both and, and horrified it, and intrigued. It was it was a rumor, and then it was they the government said that it's not. It's one hundred percent every single one of them, but none of the other bills. Every other bill smells like nothing. The fifty dollar bill smells like maple syrup. Uh, so wow, they're lying. They it, it's it's one of the security features. So and there's all these holographic stuff in it, and uh, it's actually our mon- our money's been shown at uh, like in a bunch of different countries. Australia copied it too, and if you not copied our money directly, but copied the idea, our money is uh, I well, I mean, knock on wood, they're saying that it's basically 
you can't counterfeit it because of how it's just how many security features are built in and that just it would don't say that because be, that's just a that's I know. a challenge so, well, no, sorry sorry not that not that it can't be it's not cost effective so okay. do, so if you were to uh, counterfeit american money what would the signature american smell be cocaine uh, <laughs> cocaine uh, apple pie and cheetos what well no, uh, the, the, be, the funny thing is back in the 80s they constantly tested bills and they found that almost every single every single bill had trace amounts of cocaine on it. Well, our our money you can put through the washing machine, so you could just roll up uh, roll it up, snort your cocaine, and, and <laughs> what you're saying is, is that Canadians are expert money launderers. Pretty much, yeah. uh, <laughs> but 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 anyway, anyway, that aside, like it's like it, how we did it here was they started introducing those bills, and then um, bills older than a certain age were taken in and destroyed and the ideas were we're at a point now where i think like 99 percent of our bills in circulation are the new bills uh so and since then counterfeiting has basically stopped okay um so it's like or or, and even like drug drug money and that it's a little you know it would be easier to trace because they're not likely to have their hands on as much as whatever but like if that was what they were trying to do in the movie i'd understand it but you'd have to take every bill in circulation and destroy it but they're not doing that <laughs> yeah and it's only going to be for a year and then the other bills yeah and, and, and what was the point of, and also what was the point of the red white and blue bills uh, th- there wasn't any in the end Patriotism. They, they, they well they didn't even say what it was for he just says he's doing this and it's like for what so obviously some stuff was cut from this movie mm-hmm. uh but like, like he says that that's the only the time the president's there the president doesn't ever back them up again so anyway Maria shows up with the bill. He's like, I've been expecting you. And two minutes later, apparently she loves him. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they try to get Michael Ironside to fund their their war because he's rich. And he's like, no. Yeah, and then it's fun. never, it's also never explained why he decides like, to join them. Like, he joins them. Okay, wait. <laughs> they decide. Here's where it gets interesting. Their solution is he's not going to give us money, so we're going to take some of the drug money. And by take drug money, it's kill all the low end drug dealers and steal whatever money they have on them. Yeah, Which, they kind of they kind of went full vigilante. Oh real yeah, and, fast. And that that set was so interesting. That dilapidated house. Yeah. With- which was kind of a, like a really cool action scene. Like there's one scene where they kill a guy. He flies out like a third or fourth story window. It's almost out of like something out of like Death Wish 4. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, that was that was the feel. Like this is where it turned into a canon movie. Oh, yeah. 100%. And, and like like they go, they go into the house and like they're not even going to rob them. They're there to kill them. Isn't that and Luis Guzman? It is. Yes. Yes. In one of his first big roles or big on screen talking roles. They don't kill him and he and but like they show up and murder people and they blast through the doors like it was such a weird looking set. Uh and there's a couple interesting deaths in there and his response is like I make $375 an hour and then I pay that like he was being very like pragmatic. He's like I give them 200 bucks a day. It's just enough for them to get by. He goes, if you really want to go after, you got to go after the mob. <laughs> Who's the guys that are basically bringing the money or bringing the drugs in for them to distribute? Yeah, he's like, dude, you just killed two dudes that get paid $200 a day because they would never be able to get work anywhere else to make the kind of money to support their families. Thanks a lot, you murdering assholes. Now, if you want yeah. to kill me, go ahead, but I'm small fry. Yeah, I'm bigger than yeah. the, the poor minimum wage schlubs you just gunned down mercilessly. And then yeah, like, 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 like he's making like three or four grand a day, but that's it. But 
did you like what I loved about this? This is the memorable scene. I was going to say how they were dealing their drugs and how they were collecting their money with a paint, was through bucket? A, pay, a, pay, a paint bucket through a pulley system. They pull up three stories. <laughs> it's so <laughs> random. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And then in that same scene, there are two memorable lines that really caught my attention. Louise Guzman is explaining these kids get paid three seventy five an hour to work at Burger King. Yeah. They're like, the fuck he goes on a like a two minute rant about burger king and then where'd you get that this is sorry this is after they killed like six people yeah and then christopher walken walks up to louise guzman's character and he goes where did you get that jacket tough guy like same place you got it the fuck does that mean he goes same place you got it motherfucker that's what he says and it's supposed to mean that he got it in the army just like he did Oh, okay. I'm like, I didn't know what it's that an army meant. Shirt. It's, okay. it's 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 a oh okay okay. So so that's why he doesn't have to die. And oh. this is why you need an American like me on the show. <laughs> yes, exactly. So. Well, well, and then and then so what do they do? They're, they they commandeer a, a New Jersey uh, garbage truck because the mob runs the. No, 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 no. Hold on. You missed the fact that they steal a dead man's hat and sunglasses. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. That's <laughs> yes. That's right. For no reason other than they like them. <laughs> um, and, Our heroes, ladies and, and gentlemen. They, but they steal like a, a sanitation garbage truck because, you know, mob association. Crash into the mob as in, in the middle of the city as they're leaving, like, you know, a, a hotel restaurant or something. And, <laughs> and hang the guy from a crane from the top of a building, suspended on a chair, basically hung up there like at any moment he could die and he has the balls to say do you know who i am you know how powerful i am and he's hanging from there and they just leave him there yeah but but remember they pretend to be Mossad. oh yeah yeah oh with christopher walken doing his best worst accent of all time oh yeah his, it's his so israeli good. accent yeah <laughs> which which was amazing so th- that's probably one of the most memorable scenes of the movie. Yeah, actually it is. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so, so Chris Walken and his goon squad completely bullshit this guy. Like, do you know who we are? And it's like, oh yeah. And we killed these guys and three generations back. And the, the guy who's hanging from the roof is like, oh, I don't fuck with you with like you. I don't want to say this, but you Jew people, I'm cool with like you guys. Right. (laughs) And, and they're like, yeah, all right, but don't tell us. And all like, it's so weird, but the way that he plays it, it's so hysterical. Well, they don't actually show if they got the money from him. Yeah. Well, they they must've, they must've. So they get their money. And after they get their money, then Michael Ironside shows up with his own money anyway. Yeah, so nothing, none of it mattered. So they made ten million dollars for fun. They, the ten million dollars basically gave them the guns to somehow they got the money to the rebels to get guns, and then Michael Ironside volunteers his time and somehow knows an off-duty army pilot or like like Air Force pilot that has or either he owns a jet his own or he's got some guy who's just going to go AWOL from the military to fly with them. Don't they mention like the 101st, which is yeah. an army yeah, airborne like, unit? Hell from above. Like, 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 like this wasn't a guy who's a vet. Like this guy's like 24. So like he's in the military 
and he just goes AWOL because a rich guy no, offers him a jet? It's because he says, son, what unit was your father in? 101st, sir. Oh, 101st, that's it. Yeah, that's it. and then he's oh, like, okay. oh, yeah, death from above. Yeah, and he's like, that's right, <laughs> sir, death from above. And then, like, it gets, what? So, so they're, they're, they're flying in, and the idea is that the rebels have to clear the airspace for them, um, which uh, has a, a couple crazy scenes. There, there's some good shooting and stabbing stuff. Uh, a couple, a uh, guy gets, oh, yeah, one guy gets hung, which is pretty cool the way it's shown. Um, and then one of the people from the, the village that Maria's from in the, decides to go full like kamikaze bomber by throwing a grenade inside of a tank, but he stands there and waits to hear the grenade roll down the tanks, uh, uh, cannon. And then it blows up. It blow and when it blows up, I was like, "Oh, that's a cool effect!" Because it blew up, and they left the dummy there to be torched and hung from the side of the, the tank. Well, they did that a few times in the movie. Like there was there was bodies burning in like a watchtower. Yeah, and I was like, "This was is like, really horrific." Oh yeah, I know. But it's and she's just like, and she's crying, "No, no!" And then two seconds later, they're landing their plane, and she's like, "We're all happy again. We're here." Um, but while they're trying to land. Uh, they send up there's fighter jets coming after them uh which uh, they, you know they avoid that has some of the most hilarious looking composited missiles uh shooting like oh yeah, there's yeah. clearly two things they composited together it's super nes uh, top gun yeah yeah they <laughs> land uh the the young fighter pilot who doesn't have any connection like all they would have had to say is that like he was the son of one of their guys that they served with but I, they didn't do that i feel bad because that guy is getting court-martialed at some point i think they've never seen the light well, of day again well, Oh yeah. exactly and he's he's like they're like you should get home it's going to get dangerous you got to get out of here before I, like it was implied that he's got to get back before he gets in trouble dude you and stole a like, plane yeah i know he's like or or was that plane owned by the by michael ironside i think they stole it or something didn't they because well but but because it was red one red two whatever and like that propeller plane that was his yeah so i, I i'm assuming he bought a a jet to like they asked for 10 million dollars and he was like no but then he shows up with like a hundred million dollars worth of military equipment yeah no i, <laughs> like, I think that was a u.s military jet okay so they steal that or gets this connection to whatever he lands and they're like there's not enough fuel to go back i want to stay they're like okay and then he ends up sacrificing himself and they don't even like acknowledge it later on in the movie at all at the end now there's one part just yeah. before they land which i thought this was really 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 funny so the colombian air force is trying to force this plane down in oh, in the God, cockpit that... <laughs> in, in, in the, so in the cockpit of the propeller plane they're like they hold up the radio and they dangle it by the wire like as if to say we can't hear you the radio's dead and then the pilot in the colombian jet's like no 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 i know you can hear me land this plane right now Christopher Walken pulls out a gun, shoots in front of his pilot's face. Oh, so now he's deaf and blind. Shoots the other pilot, and that that plane crashes. Shoots, shoots wait, shoots through their own canopy, uh, wind, canopy windshield, and into them. No depressurization yep. at their height. No, that okay. So uh, that that's that's fine. The depressurization okay. thing—that's fine because you're in a prop plane. You're generally not. But he be shoots at, that Wouldn't way. the bullet have flown right behind them? Like, wouldn't um, the drop-off have been so bad? Because, like, he's not firing a high-velocity rifle. Yes, okay, so first of all, you would have had a massive velocity fall-off because of going through your plane's 
plexiglass, um, bird resistant, <laughs> you know. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, windshield. Yeah. But then you're going to go through the bullet-resistant wind, uh, windscreen of the a fighter jet with a handgun's bullet which is also now tumbling slow and suddenly in a very fast airstream. So no, you're not hitting what you're firing at. And no wind like hiss sound effect happens. You don't even hear the glass breaking when he shoots. No, and, but it's so accurate. It goes like straight through the guy's freaking head. Had uh, completely like paint splatter all over the inside of his cockpit. And he spirals down, hits, he spirals down, hits the ground and they all go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, this movie uh, man <laughs> and, and, and then they uh, I, I found like there, there's funny little moments too like they have the like stinger missile well, rocket launchers that was a great scene I and, love that and they have a, and they're like they're like because these are old non-vets who wouldn't have had that tech and they're trying to figure out how it works and they're like it's not turned on and they, they, they have to quickly turn it on and they both fight and perfect shots yeah. and, uh, kill, them, kill them both and they use those a few times in, in the movie near the end there but they show up at the El Presidente's uh, palace. They end up taking over. Uh, even some of the soldiers are, are like mutinying against their own uh, uh, people. Uh, some some crazy shooting stuff happens. They go in. El Presidente is ready to kill himself or shoot other people coming with like a dirty hairy gun. And instead of like, you're, you're like, okay, is Chris Walken, are they going to storm in through the front or he blows a hole somehow through the floor and jumps in and knows exactly where El Presidente is and shoots him while he's his head isn't even through the floor yet. He drops in like Arnold Schwarzenegger in like like in like Last Action Hero, blasts him and kills him, walks out to the balcony, waves to Maria, and that's the end of the movie. Now there is one there is one moment when Christopher Walken and the rest of the guys are storming the palace. Christopher Walken, he's firing his gun. He comes up to a staircase, and it's like this like um, gunner's nest. And sure. he just casually throws a grenade like he's throwing a piece of trash into a garbage can, <laughs> blows up Mexican jumping grenade, blows a guy out of there. And he's like, well, I guess this gun's out of bullets and grabs another one and just keeps on trucking. And this is two seconds after that kid decides to sacrifice himself and they don't even acknowledge him. Oh, yeah. Like, this is the most Call of Duty ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Oh, no, no, hold on, hold on, guys. This is the Untouchables before the Untouchables. Oh yeah, because it has a lot of like you know big name actors from the time, but mm -hmm. it's still too close to like the '80s action films to have '80s action film stars. Like the only and, and thing you... that this would um, have, if it truly was the Untouchables from like 1991, it would have like some action people from like the '70s. Oh, you, oh, you mean like the Expendables? Yeah, the Expendables. I'm sorry, not the Untouchables. Jeez, I'm that's the mob movie. Yeah, no, no, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's it's missing like Bo Svensson and uh, uh, you know what you know what this is? 
this is the Expendables, but like, what if like the Steve McQueen version? hadn't died? Oh, Steve yeah, McQueen, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Steve McQueen like, Expendables. Yeah, Steve, Steve, Steve McQueen. It's 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 missing. Um, it, it's you know, Dirty Dozen was the Expendables in the '60s, but like, if this was like late '70s, early '80s, Steve McQueen, um, like Ryan O'Neill. Uh, you could have had uh, Bo Svensson. You could have had who else uh, from that era? Like even Elliot Gould used to make movies like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You could have had you could have had a whole bunch of those guys in there, but but yeah, like seriously, you, you could. Burt Reynolds take... would have been good in it too. Oh yeah, yeah. You you could have taken uh, like or like Tom Skerritt would have shown up in this. Mm-hmm. Like you could have picked up Christopher Walken, cut him out of the movie, and if you put Steve McQueen in, I would have believed it was the same movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's, there's two little parts of this, two little, little details that I thought was funny. One, when they're at the beach house, uh, and they're waking up from their hangover where they never showed them actually partying or, or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had their drinking competition where they drink like 30 some odd beers or whatever. There's a part where, uh, that's the, that's the part where Steve James walks down the stairs and, and you were laughing. Michael, yeah. Cause but he's not Carl. It's, <laughs> it's not that it's, it's the guy not the nerdy dude that looks like the the lawyer or or the accountant the other guy the fat guy he wakes up the, the, the yeah he wakes up on the couch he gets up and slips on the pizza box and does the split. and that was that's a real like you could tell that wasn't scripted because the guy the nerdy guy starts laughing and like real <laughs> laughing he actually he actually like snicker laughs and he catches himself and they just kept it in cuz it was clear like he goes to stand up and he the way he does the splits i will bet you that off like off the microphone because the boom wasn't pointed at him. I'll bet you he just went, oh, fuck. <laughs> and the other guy starts laughing. That, and when they go outside in that same scene, I was like, what the hell? This is so, like, odd movements. Like, usually things are scripted and the director, you know, they'll want you to move like this, talk like this. But, like, Steve James sits down and then puts one of his, you know, one of his legs with a sock on, on top of the table right in front of the other guy. Yeah. And it's like, that's an odd thing to do. <laughs> Not both his feet up, just one leg with a sock pointing towards the other guy's face. Yeah, and it's, and, and and then Steve James like disappears for like twenty minutes of the movie. I mean, I guess in conclusion, McBain. It's one of those movies where I honestly think it's worth watching once, and the this, riff track this is, is a, just as good. This is a rental. Like if you are going to have a pizza party with your friends and have a few drinks, this is one of those you can throw on and go, "Oh my god!" Like it's not boring. It's no. not great, but you will you will you will laugh. Like this is the kind of one where you're like, yeah, it's time to kill him. Like it's 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 kind of like the best of the ridiculous canon movies. It's kind of like that, only it's surprisingly not a canon picture. Yeah, um, I, I have I had one thing to say before we started recording about both of these movies, and I think now that we're kind of in between them or wrapping up the first one, I can kind of say this. I think both of these movies that we're going to be talking about today were very well made, well acted, well produced, but weren't very inspired. So yeah, a lot the, the of scripts this... the scripts weren't gr- the scripts weren't great, obviously. And yeah. the execution actually, you know, if you had a different script, these would be much higher tier. Yeah. Like... So so I watched these like a couple days ago and most of the movie, like when you're talking about it, yeah, I remember that scene, but before we really started talking about it, it's like, I remember two scenes from McBain very clearly. And it's not because it's a bad movie at all. It's just that it is movie. 
if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Yes, yeah. and, and that's well probably done. why we, we we probably we never heard of these. Like, had you yeah. ever heard of McBain before? No, I, no. The only reason I heard of McBain is because of the cultural weirdness around The Simpsons. People thought this was based upon like like I, I I'd heard this for years that The Simpsons was a riff on this, but no, this predated The Simpsons gag by a couple years. Well, yeah, no, no, but of course, no, but The Simpsons gag. It is kind of. It's just the only difference is it's the Simpsons McBain thing with uh, Rainier Wolfcastle. Like uh, that's an Arnie riff. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it, it's it's a few things. One, and if you don't know, over the course of a, it was a few years actually, they would show a few different clips on TV of that movie, and people have taken the clips out of the DVDs and put them in, in sequential order, and it tells a whole movie um, on, and you can see that on YouTube, but. What they did was it was a riff on Lethal Weapon mixed with kind of this plot because, uh, you know, he's he's going after Mendoza, who's the drug lord politician. So it's not the president. It's basically the same idea. Yeah. So it's 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 literally what if you took uh, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard and mixed it with this movie? Yeah. And it had the name McBain. But I, it wasn't I don't think. Uh, the Simpsons people did that intentionally. It just ended up being that because this is generic late '80s action movie. I mean, yeah. this this movie's worst crime. I think it has two worst crimes against it. The fact that, as Aaron just said, it is movie. It is its worst thing that you can say about it is it's fine. And mm-hmm. the name McBain is almost nonsensical. Like. Like you guys were saying, this is almost like Steve McQueen's Expendables. You could have called this movie anything else. McBain doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, other than the fact that he's the lead guy of this group of old Vietnam War buddies. I mean, like you could have called called this movie one more time, or or you, you could have done something with the dollar bill. Yeah, like with like yeah, it's a yeah. hundred dollar bill, but you but you could have done it like hundred buck bet or something like that. Yeah, yeah, or or. or uh, Hundred you know, dollars, or or even dollar split, or something like that. Or you, yeah. you could have had something to do. Like you, you wouldn't necessarily want to have the generic, you know, war name like Left Behind or 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 uh, you know, like Lone Wolf or some some weird name like that. But you could have done something um, with that, or or maybe I don't know. You, you could have done something like you know, Liberation, Freedom. You could have done something with it, but McBain. Like the only. It, 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 when you hear that title, it kind of evokes something like an Arnold movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's totally what I was expecting. I got that kind of. I, I got the great value version of the Expendables. Not bad, not great, tastes fine, but that's about it. So mm-hmm. the next movie we're going to be talking about is completely different, and this is where Christopher Walken is not the action hero with a couple one-liners. Here, he's a crime lord. With one-liners and a weird dance sequence at one point. He's, he's the king of New York. <laughs> and this yeah. movie is packed full of people just before they got big. Like, Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne is in this. He steals um, every scene that he's in. Absolutely. I, I actually think he's the best part of this movie. Uh, him, David Caruso, Wesley Snipes in a very young role, Giancarlo Esposito. I don't know if uh, Wesley Snipes even talks in this. Oh one. yeah, he does. He, he's the other cop. Oh, that, oh yeah, that's a couple scenes. That's right. It's, but it's like to the point where he was. I don't even know. I think he had already filmed 
a movie or two, but I don't know if they had come out yet. No, he didn't break out big until like after 1992. I think it was after White Men Can't Jump that his career uh, exploded. No, it was the the one he did in the plane. Um, Passenger 57? I think it was that one or... Um, was he in New Jack City or am I thinking of somebody else? He's New Jack City. Okay. Um, but that, I think it was... Because he, he he had like an explosive period right around then, uh, but Wesley Snipes was like, like not unrecognizable, but like he's such a big personality that at the time you know it was weird seeing him not be that big. If that makes any yeah, sense, yeah, he was more subdued. He was a cop, and you know he wasn't yeah, like like he. I, I just looked at his history. He had a couple cameo roles. Uh, he was in Major League. Uh, oh yeah, small part. Yeah. Uh, but this was his first sort of like Starring. theatrical bigger movie, and because right after this he did New Jack City a year later. Okay, yeah. And then it was um, Passenger Fifty Seven and White Men Can't Jump and Boiling Point were all within like a ten month period. Yeah. So this movie, when I went into this, I didn't quite know what to expect. I, I would call this Christopher Walken trying to do The Godfather meets Scarface, and he's kind of oh, successful. Ooh. I kind of like this movie, but I like the secondary cast more than I like him in it. Uh, don't forget, Steve Buscemi is in this. Yeah. Uh, As test tube. To, yes, uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Uh, some of the supporting actors that played like mobsters and that, you'll actually notice they ended up being in like The Sopranos later on. Um, yeah. You know, I, think. I, I think I said this right when I first saw it to you, that my take on this is, this movie for an, a movie that it has a lot of ultra violence in it was strangely relaxing while watching it. Like for whatever reason, I was really mellowed by the film. Was it the, the like party hip hop music that was in it? And the, like the dance jazz stuff. I think it's the, <laughs> like the jazzy stuff, but also like the pacing of the scenes, unless there's somebody getting blown away in the face or pissing on the ground in front of somebody. It, it's, which was weird. It just takes it, its time to like have a shot linger and tell yeah. a story visually, which I was, I appreciate. I really appreciate that. Real like what you can say about this movie. I think it had like a five million dollar budget. It looks more expensive than it costs. Yeah, and a, a lot of that is for the time period. Like I was worried. A lot of movies from the early nineties had really bad film grain. This doesn't have that much. I saw this. I think I bought this on DVD like 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, when I when I originally saw it, when I was going through the whole Chris Walken face and I wanted to see more gangster stuff. Um, and I, I liked uh, other movies that the same director had made. And I went, you know what? I'll, I'll watch this. I've, I've heard some good things. I saw some of the supporting cast and I went, okay, this has some of the best uh, cinematography for dark lit scenes. Like there's a lot of uh, like, like lighting and neon and stuff. But it's never so dark you can't make out what's happening. Uh, they yeah. made very good use of shooting at nighttime, um, and there's they don't fall into the tropes of doing day for night stuff. If it's dark, it's dark. One, it, you know, if it's, it's everything is either naturally lit mm -hmm. or uh, 
like they don't use they didn't use a lot of like focused lights behind the camera it's whatever's lighting the the people is that's what's lighting them the one thing that i found really kind of cool about this now this comes from wikipedia according to abdul ferrara and i'm just going to read this line for line then owner donald trump gave him permission to film at the plaza hotel at no charge on one condition that walken would pose for a photograph with ivana trump who is a huge fan of the actor now some of the filming locations for this movie as i'll say because this movie looks way more expensive than what it was was Mm -hmm. uh sing sing the prison the plaza hotel times square times square and the 42nd street uh port port authority bus terminal williamsburg queensborough bridge the fifth uh fifth annual ossing and finally sarnak lake now speaking of alex and lighting there is one scene right towards the end it's right towards the climactic car chase slash gun battle there's a scene where there's light coming down from one of the bridges onto the street the, whoever lit that shot that shot looks frigging awesome well, on blu-ray I'll tell you one thing about Abel Ferrara, the director. Mm-hmm. He's not known for getting permits. He would do things grill stuff. Ooh. I'm willing to bet 90% of this movie they didn't have any New York permits and he just shot it. Yeah, And just got one or two shots and one and done. Like similar to when we saw, remember we did Alphabet City? Yeah. Like that was the same sort of very guerrilla style, right? Like mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I don't know if you could do it anymore the way he did it for that. Oh, God. Team, because. No. Because, you know, you find ways you or like when I say or, or maybe he had a permit, but the permit was he walked up to the beat cop and handed him a 50 and they just shot the scene. <laughs> that sort of stuff. Yeah, That's there, the kind there, of, that stuff happens way more often than you think. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and especially in the 80s, in the, like the 80s and 90s in New York. Darlene and I just a lot more. We just watched a movie and I, I told you guys that I highly recommended. I'm not going to say exactly which one, you know, because this this will come out before the movie, our movie review for what i'm going to talk about but there's there's a scene where they need to get a shot of the golden gate bridge with nobody on it so they uh they paid the guards on each end five hundred dollars to stop the traffic going across the golden gate bridge for one minute oh wow and this is 1959 so that that's an equivalent of five thousand dollars today and and if they and for one minute and no no more right because then yep if their if their bosses go, what happened? It'd be like, oh, don't worry, it was just it was just a, like you could you could explain away a minute. Yeah, you can explain away you, a minute, and they got their shot, and it looks amazing. It really so, looks amazing. That's really cool. So so that's that's, <gasps> that's that's the sort of stuff that it's a lot harder to do now, but yeah. you could still do that in the late '80s and early '90s. So, uh, basic plot is uh, Frank White is drug lord uh, was in prison. They don't say what he was in for, but it's assumed it was murder. Oh no 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 uh, no! It's not murder. Isn't isn't it? No, it was, I think it it was, was drugs um, or something. Wasn't it? Drug tra- yeah, it, was it was trafficking. Drug, it was trafficking because he was only in for like seven years, seven or eight. Yeah, years. And, and he has a high powered attorney get him out, who he's is also one of his lovers, um, and he gets out, and you realize that that he is somehow like this is going to sound bad. He's king of the black people. The the a guy named Frank White, the whitest man on the planet, is king of all the black drug dealers. Well, it's because he's the only one that that respects. Yeah, yeah, respect, regardless like, of the color of their skin. Yeah, yeah, that that's 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 explained. But at the beginning, you're like, "What is going on?" Because you're like, "This doesn't make any sense." He shows up, and well, actually, he gets out, and what happens immediately uh, is uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character, Jimmy, and Jump. a few others, they start 
they start offing rivals. Yep. That are on their that were that are on what used to be Frank's turf. And uh, Frank shows up, does his wacky little dance with them, <laughs> and like it's like what it's like like clubhouse kind of antics. Uh, and then they have a big party, and you see these. He's going to hone in on all of uh, the Italians uh, that have been, you know, taking up his turf, and he, he wants to have a sit down meeting with them. And they're like, basically, no, fuck off. We don't want anything to do with them because he's he's in charge of all the black people and they see them as lessers and all this stuff yeah so frank shows up and the, the guy's like bad mother so he just murders one of the like not even a captain he might even be the head of one of the families just murders him right there in front of everybody else he's like talks to his soldiers and he's like if any of you are getting sick of being ripped off come work for me i'm at the plaza hotel mm-hmm. now there's a and, scene alex you may, th- that made me think of something so i did a, a little digging when, when he says, if you want some money, come work for me, right? There's a scene where Christopher Walken and his uh, date get hu- get mugged in the subway. Oh, yeah, that scene. That's a memorable scene. And he th- in, in the guy shows his, uh, Chris Walken shows the mugger his handgun in his pants. And instead of shooting him, he throws him this gigantic wad of cash and says, yeah. if, if you're looking for employment come to the Plaza Hotel and ask for Frank White. I'll give you a job. Now, I thought that actor looked familiar. It's Chris Rock, right? No, actually, no. it's a guy named Harold Perot or something like that. That's Link from The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions, which means no this movie. Shit. Yeah, so this movie has two Matrix alumni in it, which I thought that was well, really see, cool. See, I know him as the guy in the wheelchair from Oz. Yes, that too. And and uh, what else? And he's also in... Uh, was he in? Was he in Lost? Yes, or yes, no? he was. Yes, and and also he's on um, that new show called From the the show Michael, where they get uh, people get stuck in this town and they can't leave. Oh like, yeah, where where the where the demons where like the demons show up as like old dead people and they just laugh and if you get too close to them they tear you to shreds. Yeah, uh, uh, you that, showed me that the sounds f- strange. Oh, oh, it's a really good it's a really good show. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah, so so that's him. Um, another thing, I don't know his name, uh, but the guy in, when he kills the mob boss and he, and the one guy that goes right away to, to leave and work for Frank, mm-hmm. um, the, the one, I guess he's supposed to be like an Italian enforcer guy, uh, with the, the crew cut, mm-hmm. you might not know him, uh, by looking at him there, but you'll know him now since that movie, he has completely covered his body in tattoos and he has a shaved head and he's always playing either. Uh, usually Mexican gangbangers in every movie and TV show. He was in uh, Breaking Bad. He was in Nip Tuck. He was in every show. If you need wow. a, like a, a tatted up uh, Mexican gangster, it's that guy. But I think he's actually Italian, like in real life. And in this, he like, I was like, I was looking at his face because I'm like, I recognize the face, but nothing else. So they, like this has they have a lot of people that ended up becoming like character actors and other things. Hmm. And uh. So that scene happens. All the while, the cops are pissed that they, they think they can't touch him. Um, there's two, basically two types of cops. There's the young hotheads who think they can get away with anything. And then there's the old-timey detective uh, played by uh, uh, Victor Argo, who played the El Presidente in McBain. And he's, he's going to you know try to catch him the old-fashioned way or the slow way or 
whatever. Mm-hmm. And Caruso and his his uh, other hothead cop decide at some point they're like, how we're going to get them is we're going to show up with masks on and pretend we're a rival gang and just kill everybody because we can't arrest them. Yeah, and that's they, uh... <laughs> that, there's that big the big shootout at the at the uh, the drug party where a lot of Frank's crew gets killed, and the one cop grabs onto the side of their car as they're escaping <laughs> and and so frank's solution is steer him into a fire hydrant and the way his his head you hear the cling and his body goes bang and and caruso is just like oh god they'll freak out and the most memorable scene in the movie i think nobody rides for I free think, motherfucker well that, okay yeah so yeah lawrence fishburne is sadistic in this oh movie. Yeah. yeah like crazy like i said it before he's basically like an even crazier version of of the does it hurt does it hurt guy from robocop um they have a big cop funeral where every cop in town or the district or whatever is there and caruso goes to leave because he's crying because he knows that it was first of all it was his his stupid idea to go on the killing rampage of all of the, the gangsters uh and, and drug dealers he goes to his car and his car won't start and he's crying and crying in his car and swearing and a limousine pulls up. You just think it's, it could be any of the other cops or other, or maybe like a politician showing up and you just hear uh window world then, Hey, you from Frank and Crusoe turns his head and he blasts his head off with a double barrel shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> that scene was like, Holy shit. That I think is the most memorable scene in the movie. Um, and literally a sawed off double barrel shotgun. Hey, you, bang head gone wow and yeah and they just and they just drive away like they don't even speed away they just drive a little bit faster and all the cops come running down they have no idea what happened Mm -hmm. and that's when when that happens is when it's really the downfall because frank won't be able to control things he goes after uh i guess like the the chinese triads and the yakuza and anybody in town that's dealing drugs uh and weren't they it was heroin in like sixty pound uh, containers of MSG, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so the problem is he takes on too many people at once, and you know there's there's the showdown you know with the uh, uh, with the the I guess older detective, and in the talk back and forth before you know the final showdown that's going to happen with them, you know he Frank's has the probably one of the more memorable lines of the movie and it's you know I, you know i never killed anybody that didn't deserve it mm-hmm. and explaining that that everybody he killed and you know you think basically you think i'm so bad because i deal drugs and because i kill these people and he lists all the people all the heads of the crime families and people that he killed and he's like people that are you know the the guys in chinatown he killed uh ran sweatshops and slave trade yeah. and and then he the the mobsters that he killed he's like he goes like they they were you know prostituting uh, young pro, pro, prostituting minors and children and he's like he goes i don't do that yeah I just, I, I'm, I'm better than them i don't do that i don't put kids out onto the street hooking you know yeah yeah exactly that that yeah, is and, and, to me and, that's and, the most and he, memorable scene and he, you know and, he, and he's not dealing to children none yeah. of, and, like and, and you realize when you watch it none of his dealers were dealing to children yeah mm-hmm so uh so it's like okay so he has his own moral compass in his own head that he thinks he's following and he's and he's almost he's crying and he's like you know i never killed anybody that didn't deserve it 
<laughs> and and it's weird because that like moral code even ex- went to Jimmy Jump because there's a point where Lawrence Fishburne's character Jimmy he's going down to a fried chicken place to get lunch for everybody and he sees a group of kids and the group of kids gets yelled at by the store owner and the and Lawrence or Jimmy's like, hey, don't you treat those kids like that. He gives the kids a bunch of money, gives this poor woman money to feed her family. He's like, hey, if you need more money, come see me. I will help you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like an like the Al Capone sort of thing. Yeah. Right? He's giving back to the community that he's in. Although this seems a little more genuine in their own head. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's death is pretty good. I was going to oh, say yeah. like, when he... Like he, it's him. Well, first it's him versus uh, David uh, Wesley Snipes. Uh, Wesley Snipes, and, and just <laughs> he he beats Wesley Snipes, and I love that he gets shot. And when Caruso shows up, he's laughing about his partner dying. <laughs> yeah, and it's so sadistic the way he's the way he's behaving. Um, it, it's it was you'd say it was over the top, but it was over the top to the point where you're like. This it, guy's it unhinged. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't come off as a guy going over the top that it's overacting. It came across as a guy who really is unhinged, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Lawrence Fishburne in that when he's laughing and then he's like, "Kill me, kill me," you know. Yeah, it just it, it's that he lost his mind. He was in a huge amount of pain. Um, yeah, no, that that was great acting. I thought. I mean, like one of the things King of King of New York does exceptionally well is everybody at certain points gets a real moment to shine. Like, I'm honestly really surprised. How the hell did I never hear about this movie before meeting Alex? Yeah, well, like it's it's the same thing that I said about the last movie. There's giant chunks of it that are very forgettable. And then there's there's more there's more that's memorable about this movie than McBain. Mm-hmm. But there's still just chunks of it that aren't very memorable for whatever reason. Yeah. It's probably because it came out. There was like a five year period where a lot of these like neo gangster films were coming out like before, like right around the time you you had Goodfellas. But like uh, like New Jack City came out a a year later. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like some people might not confuse them, but like think that maybe they're the same movie or or something to that extent, like because New Jack City came out and made like 50 million dollars on the same budget and the and uh king of new york made like two million or something so i feel like if you're a big chris walken fan you'll know the movie or you might not know the movie at all but you've seen maybe a few uh still photos from it Mm -hmm. um but or, or you've or if anything i think more people have probably seen memes created of the, the the clip where he shoots Caruso than anything else popping up like remixed into like YouTube videos or or uh animated gifs or you know uh things like that like that, that's the only thing i can think of it, it's there's there's a lot of meme worthy moments like it's not that often that you get to see Christopher Walken in full gangster gear uh smoking weed and then doing weird dance moves to weird funky jazz and rap music sniffing a dead man's leather glove yeah, yeah. that was the hell <laughs> uh, i'll tell you and that party uh, when they go to the party when he's out it's the way it pans like it, like you said it's very like calm and relaxing like 
it's just a party where there's people like doing cocaine. There's a girl smoking weed, hopping up and down on a guy's lap, mm-hmm. but he's asleep and they're fully clothed. And, and then, uh, you know, people just like sort of swaying a little bit left and right. And then Christopher Walken's dancing with his lawyer girlfriend in the weirdest way possible. Yeah. It's almost like he's doing, he's, he's like doing the Elaine dance from Seinfeld. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't even do the, 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 the Walken impression though. Like that whole what's in the cup. And then Lawrence Fishburne's, it's root beer. <laughs> want some? No, I don't. A man, a man has to have his limits, or something like that. That's what he says. Like, yeah. What, what the hell, man? What, what is this? Is this? It had to have been like Christopher Walken just riffing. I, I don't well, know. And it, it's just, it's so, it's so odd. Like, I, I, it, it has the weirdest energy for a gangster movie but again it's very it's worth watching for sure oh 100 percent. like honestly yeah. out of the two movies we've talked about tonight mcbain and king of new york one you should really consider tracking down is king of new york i don't know if it's available to stream anywhere there is a blu-ray it, it, it has it has been in the past and it is available on like all these different home video formats yeah. so it, it's it's pretty cheap yeah so this is a movie you should probably track down if you want to see christopher walken do something other than popping a watch up his ass or going bears this is definitely that <laughs> well well this is this is the first movie that he did with the, the that director but after that uh they did a movie called the addiction together mm-hmm. which is a vampire black and white vampire movie from 1995 oh god i'm gonna have to watch that early. okay I'm uh, star, star starring chris uh lily taylor christopher walken and annabella Sciorra. uh Sciorra. Uh, and Edie Falco, who is the oh Edie Falco, wow, oh okay. Edie Falco's in it. Um, who else? They did that together. Then a year later, they did the funeral, which is a, a crime drama, uh, mobster movie starring Christopher Walken, uh, Chris Penn, uh, Isabella Rossellini, and Vincent Gallo. Oh, and Benicio del Toro. <laughs> Weird. And then after that, he did uh, a movie with him called New Rose Hotel which is a American cyberpunk erotic drama starring Christopher Walken, Willem Dafoe, and Asia Argento. Oh, my God. So, guys... And, oh, sorry. and then I, they, they haven't done another movie oh together since, and I think the last theatrical movie he did was R. Xmas, with, which is a movie that is an iced tea movie. <laughs> oh, my Lord. So, yes, but they did like four or five movies together in a row, all theatrical, but this was, I guess, the more Mainstream. known one of those of those even even though they like look he was getting a lot of interesting actors together that wanted to work with them um but we'll probably go back and do more able for our movies from his past he did fear city exterminator uh, no am i thinking of like, um, no, sorry uh miss 45 um driller killer uh he, oh, yeah, he did the pilot for crime story the tv show which is a fantastic show by the way um he did Cat Chaser, so he, he he did a bunch of movies back then. But yeah, I, I I oh oh I don't really want to watch Body Snatcher though, not that version. Oh yeah, uh, no, and, I, I, please don't watch that. Like even even the nineteen seventies one, at least you know it has Leonard Nimoy and it's it, it actually is decent. But go well, back and, and, it, and it, it has that it has that memorable memorable scene. Oh, you know, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I'm not, yeah, but if we ever really want to go diving into like the deepest recesses of the worst dumpster fire movies of all time though he did direct one of the worst movies of the 90s 
Dangerous Game, starring Harvey Keitel and Madonna. Oh, oh God. God, I you know, you know, I you, might have seen that. You know what? We should do yeah. a movie, <laughs> a double feature, where we pick singers or musicians that have transitioned into acting for one reason or another. Some okay, well, you know, you know what I, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna torture you both. I'll make you watch Fire Down Below, the Steven Seagal movie that also has like Randy Travis in it and oh, I think Chris Christopherson. No, 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 no. <laughs> we haven't touched a Seagal movie on this show yet. Uh, you know, we're we probably... Do... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we're not going to do any of his direct-to-video movies because that's just too painful. If we had to do his movies, it would probably have to be that and Glimmer Man or something terrible. Yeah, so we will be talking about a lot more cool stuff in the future because me, Alex, and Aaron are able to get together a little bit more often now that all our schedules are starting to line up. I know we'll be back on Future Imperfect. These guys are going to be doing a Trek year in review because I'm still a few months behind. But after that, lots of cool stuff. Yeah, because I, I think, you know, we want to get that done before the new Trek is, is starting to roll out, I think, in February. So Yeah, February or um, early March, I think. Oh, oh, right. Picard season three. Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> okay, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's try to be optimistic. <laughs> I mean, I, I know, you know, as, as, a, as a teaser, I know that you were a little upset with the last couple episodes of Prodigy, but we can get into that, obviously, in the actual recording. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... I, I do think as a preview, I think last year's Trek overall was pretty decent yeah. considering yeah. what we had. But anyway, yes. So uh, I think plenty of good shows coming up, man. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be a fun year. I, I think and, so. and this is a good way to start because it's been, you realize since the three of us did one of these. Before my surgery or after my surgery? It was like January or February of last year, oh my God. maybe when we did one. I, I know. Uh, Me and Aaron did a bunch during the summer because you took your time off, which is great. Yeah, But then, yeah, I got busy with school and volunteering. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to expect a lot more. I think Alex has prepared the soup du jour for next time. I think we're going to be talking about American Rampage and Action USA, both of which I know nothing about. Yeah, 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 I don't And then after that, uh, something we've talked about doing for a while, uh, which is the Snake Eater trilogy. Yeah. The Lorenzo Lamas action uh, extravaganza. And then after that, we, you know, we've got plenty of ideas that I've popped up. Uh, Michael, you've got ones that you've been pitching. We've all got different styles. So, some of these are going to be obviously talking about specific movies that we watch. Some of them might be pitching our own movie ideas. Yeah, so we've got a lot of really fun stuff, guys. 2023, we're going to knock out as much possible content as we can uh, because I will be probably having surgery again this year. But now that I know what the healing process looks like, I can do a lot more. So we will be doing all this and more right here on thisweekingeek.net. So as we begin to wrap things up here at the Twig Video Store, we definitely invite you to be kind, rewind. If you want to give some of our lovely service clerks around here some little bit of feedback, you can do that by going to feedback at thisweekingeek.net. You can also reach us out on Twitter at thisweekingeek for as long as that platform decides to exist. And, uh, and we do have Mastodon, which has a couple posts that I did, but... Until Twitter completely disappears, we probably won't be updating it that often. Yeah, I have a Mastodon profile. I think I've used it like a few times. I also have Hive, but that's a whole kettle of fish I hear. Well, so Hive only works for for uh, 
Apple devices anyway. Oh, so, so that's not really useful. Yeah. So who gives a <laughs> shit? So either way, guys, we will always be around. Me and Aaron and Alex look forward to hearing from you guys. We're really glad we can introduce you to some new and fun movies. Like I said, please check out these movies where you can. They should be available to stream or to buy across a variety of uh, home video. Formats. I'll tell you right now, McBain, the main movie, I don't believe is on the service, but it's on uh, YouTube. McBain, no, wait, McBain with the riff track is on Tubi TV. Yes. Woo. So please consider watching that. It'll be fantastic. Uh, also, I think by the time this airs, you should hear my interview with uh, uh, Enrique Couto, where we talk about Freddy's Nightmares television show. Me and Alex should be back on the main show this week talking about all sorts of fun things. So either way, guys, we're going to clean things up here. Be kind. Rewind. So for this week in Geek, we have been from the city of Kitchener. Alex, the producer. From Lansing, Michigan. Aaron. I've been Mike the Birdman saying we'll catch you guys next time right here on thisweekingeek.net. Are either one of these any good? Sir? What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Quick! Change the channel! You're wasting your life making shit! Nobody cares! These movies are terrible! You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Hey, Dirt! I thought I told you, buddy. Nobody wants you around. Hey! You're talking to my guy all wrong. It's the wrong tone. Do it again. I'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron. <laughs>